0: Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Christopher Shadforth, Communications Director for the Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I'll be talking to Claire Bassett and Melissa Collett. In this episode of the podcast, we're discussing theme two of the CII's new five year strategic plan, highest professional standards. I'm joined by Claire Bassett, chair of the CII's Professional Standards Committee, and Melissa Collett, Executive Director for Professional Standards at the CII. Here is my conversation with Claire and Melissa. Hello to you both, and thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Hello, Melissa.
1: Hi there. Pleasure
2: to be here.
0: And hi, Claire.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, Melissa, could you tell us why the theme of highest professional standards is so important to the CII's new strategy?
1: Yes. So setting and maintaining the highest professional standards is a core activity for a professional membership body like the CII. And in general, the standards we set for our collective professions and members is higher than the minimum threshold standards set by the relevant regulators. Though the purpose is common, we do so to provide public trust and confidence in the professions and in the sector as a whole. And this relates back to our purpose as set out in our Royal Charter, which, is to secure and justify the confidence of the public and employers in our professions. Now our Shaping the Future consultation revealed that members want the Institute to champion good practice and take firm action in cases of misconduct. UK and international members were consistent in their desire for us to uphold and promote high professional standards. So a key ambition of the plan is to drive professional standards even higher. And
0: that shaping the future consultation that you mentioned, Melissa, that's something that was run in 2021. The results came out in early 2022. And I think I'm right in saying that it flows throughout the document, but particularly, as you mentioned, in relation to highest professional standards. Could you tell us something more about how the results from that consultation have fed in?
1: Absolutely. So, we're a membership professional body. And so, obviously, what our members and our stakeholders think about what the CII's approaches is, is vital to us. And it's vital to formulating our strategy. So, we had a rich set of data uh, from the consultation. And um, we were able to look at professional standards in some detail because it really was a, a a very significant part of the consultation. And we've had a chance to also discuss that with members in an in a number of different settings. And so even take that feedback um, even further. And so that has shaped the strategy that you that you have before you today. And it was very much around the theme of Wanting the CII to really be a beacon for professional standards in the sector, wanting the CII to take a leading role when talking about standards externally uh, with regulators, with government, and really wanting to the CII to set the tone for members. And to be very clear when uh, members or behaviours have stepped across the line and to be firm in taking action. And and that's something that uh, came across very clear in the consultation.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much, Melissa. And Claire, you've been in post now for a few months. And one of the things that's included in theme two of the strategic plan is a review of professional standards and the framework, particularly. Could you talk us through that and what that review will entail, please?
2: Yes, certainly. And as you say, I, I've I've been with the CII and chairing um, the committee since uh, beginning of this year. And one of the things that I've been really struck by is the breadth of experience and expertise that we've got on that committee. And it's made up of representatives from right across the sector. And we're really keen that we use that and we think about that to develop um, this new uh, professional standard strategy that we've been talking about. And as Melissa said, there's there's a wealth of input and information out there about what people are after. And what we need to do is turn that into something that's really concrete, that that sets out very clearly what it is we're going to do and what it's going to achieve. Um, so to do that, I think the first thing we need to do is is to think about, well what do we mean when we talk about professional standards? You know, at one level, we can think about that pure conduct and enforcement function. But actually, I think, and I know Helen agrees, uh, the chair of the main board that actually it means a lot more than that. It's about catching people doing it right. It's about understanding what good really looks like. And I think that's particularly important in the the context of the CII, particularly and its chartered status. So what we're going to do is carry out this major review. It's going to have leadership from the Professional Standards Committee. Um, We're really engaged in doing that. We're going to start that process in a couple of weeks' time with the day where we're really going to think about what what do we mean when we talk about professional standards What level should our ambition be? You know, how 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 can we really use professional standards to demonstrate quality and all the positive things that goes alongside that, as well as the sort of compliance side of it? Um, And then from that, we're going to develop this further. Think about what that means in the context of charter status for individuals and corporate members and be out talking to people about that. Um, we recognise, and I think the CII recognises that to do that, we are going to need more resources and we're going to need to dedicate more more time and thought as an organisation to professional standards. And that's something we're also going to be thinking about as a committee, taking our thoughts back to the main board and then thinking about how we do that and how we can really produce things that make a difference. And an example of that could be... um, a reports that should consider sectoral issues and to look at the state of our professions, um, including evidence of what good looks like and that good practice so we can share that and, and provide the thought leadership that's also a real ambition of the strategy.
0: Well, that's brilliant, Claire. And you know, two of the things that you've picked up on there are included in the actions that are set out in theme two. So, alongside the review of professional standards, you picked out the uh, the state of reports. And I think, as a theme goes, Melissa, they they're, they're very important. But there are other things in there as well that you might also wish to talk about. So, what are the other actions that are in the plan that you think are going to be fundamental to delivering our goals as part of this strategy?
1: Yes, there's so a number of other things um, in addition to what Claire already mentioned that we'd like to to deliver as part of the strategic plan. First of all, we want to build a body of evidence that demonstrates to the public the value of dealing with a with a CII or a PFS professional. And so we we also, on the back of that, want to deliver promotional campaigns as we have done in the past, to reinforce that message more widely and and armed with this evidence, we will be meeting regularly with regulators and and potentially uh, government to discuss and promote professional standards across our sectors and really get that two-way feedback loop uh, between us and them about what we're doing and why it's important for the sectors to have these professional qualifications and and members. We also plan to introduce a minimum CPD requirement. Again, this is something that's been in the planning for some time. Uh, For 3.5 hours to be spent on ethical subjects every year which equates to around 10% of our CPD requirement of 35 hours per year for qualified professionals so it's only 10% of that of that annual time but we think it's important to emphasize that professionals need to engage with these kinds of subjects and go beyond just the technical subjects and really look at how they interact with clients and interact with the public and why professional ethics is so important in fact it's it's now embedded as part of our professional map and finally recognizing the esteem with which uk professional members are held overseas we also aim to become more influential on the development of professional standards for the insurance and financial planning sectors internationally, working, again, directly with regulators and overseas jurisdictions, again, as we have done in the past, and in collaboration with the institute's own international affiliated institutes that we have overseas. So this is something we want to take internationally, and, and again, this is on the back of the feedback we received from the consultation, is that our our international members really want to see us um, working with, with them and, and their relevant um, authorities to ensure that we're all working together and, and building a global profession.
2: That's
0: terrific. Thank you very much, Melissa. And Claire, I want to go back to one of the points that Melissa was talking about there about professionalism and what it actually means to consumers because we place a lot of value within the the CII and the PFS on ensuring that our members are professionals and can be respected as such in terms of the advice that uh, individual consumers and clients receive from them. But i mean how how important do you think it is to promote this to to consumers and and others more more generally?
2: I think you've really gone to the heart of it that It's a really good question. Um, there is no doubt about it that chartered and that chartered ethos of nurturing knowledge client centricity, serving society is really important. You know at the end of twenty twenty two we had over eight hundred chartered firms, and obviously we've got individuals far far outnumber that. And we do have research that shows that you know if, if a member of the public um, is asked to choose between a chartered firm or a non-chartered, 77% of them are likely to choose chartered. So that demonstrates the value. But there's also a real conversation to be had, I think, as the sector changes, as things are delivered in different ways. How do we make sure we ensure we continue to have that trust and that chartered status means that? And I think that's one of the really interesting things we can do as part of this conversation around professional standards, working with our colleagues in in other areas of the business about this, is how do we make sure that as part of that chartered status, the professional standards is a really key element and that it, it helps people understand as well as as choose to do that. And I think we will have to do work to, to raise awareness of the standards. And I think professional standards is a really, really good opportunity uh, to do that and a way that we can work with individuals as well as organisations to become more chartered.
0: Oh, that's terrific, thank you, Claire. And one of the metrics that you mentioned there—the propensity to choose charted is is there as a key performance indicator within the theme, isn't it? Uh, and you mentioned the the figure of seventy-seven percent. I mean, in the uh, in the document uh, as it stands, we talk about maintaining the metric above seventy percent. So why not be more ambitious? A question to to, to Melissa first, perhaps, and then to Claire. Why, why not be more ambitious than um, the 70% that we have in the document?
1: I think, Chris, that um, we are ambitious in the sense that looking ahead at the uh, uh, period 24 to 27, we have set ourselves a target of uh, maintaining the metric above 75%. and. It's pleasing to see that currently we're at 77%, but we know that over the past few years when we've conducted this survey, you know, it does go up and down. So what we are really trying to do by taking some of the actions we discussed earlier is to really solidify in the public mind the value of chartered, the value of receiving advice from a chartered individual or firm and and that will help to keep the The metric that we've developed with the Institute of Customer Service at that that high level uh, going into the future. So that's really, um, I believe, an an ambitious target. But, you know, who knows what the future holds? And, you know, if we can maintain it above 75 percent, we can become even more ambitious in, in the in the years to come.
2: Claire? Just to add to that, I think that um, one of the things we've done within this section of the strategic plan is be quite clear that we, we want to engage in this conversation. And I think particularly my colleagues on the Professional Standards Committee are really keen that we think about what our level of ambition is and what the right measurements for that are. And it may be actually that we need this measure, but we need others. Uh, particularly once we've set our ambition. And that's something we're going to be working on over over the next coming weeks and months to make sure that we don't just have one metric, but actually we have a range of things and we think about um, what what good really looks like and how we measure um, whether we're achieving that or not. So I'm really excited to have further conversations on that. Perhaps we can come back once we've done a bit further on that.
0: I mean that, that that's fascinating from both of you in actual fact because I think that's something that might be lost on some people reading this plan is that they might think well this is a static document now it uh, it is in existence and it's not there to change over the next five years but I mean, in actual fact uh, I know in the writing of it a great deal of thought was put into the opportunity that lay within it too shape it over the course of the next three or four or five years such that it does evolve such that there are new measures within each of these themes and that we can see progress in different ways so uh, i think that's really helpful to have explained the the, that opportunity that lies within this uh, second theme in particular
2: perhaps i could just pick that up because i think you make a really important point there and Um, one of the things that was really attractive to me to come into the CII as a non-executive director and as chair of the PSC was that actually there is a real ambition here to do this differently and evolve this. And I think professional standards um, is an area where uh, we are really early to start thinking about doing that thinking and develop that further. And I've really seen that commitment from my fellow board members, from committee members and from Helen as chair. So I'm really excited and looking forward to how we do that. Thank you, Claire.
0: Now, I just want to turn to uh, one of the other actions for this year. In actual fact, it's an action that's been completed already, isn't it, Melissa, which is the publication of the companion guide for the Code of Ethics around green and sustainable finance. So that came out a few weeks ago at the time of recording. And um, Melissa, why was it so important to publish that companion guide and perhaps companion guides in general for the Code of Ethics?
1: Yes. So we're very proud. And I'm so pleased you mentioned the Green Finance uh, companion guide, because this is a set of companion guides that we started publishing a few years ago, designed for professionals to help them navigate through a whole myriad of ethical issues uh, that are are very important um, in today's world. We and green finance is obviously one of the one of the key ones, and sustainability. And this comes a, in a long line of guides that started back in 2018 with the Digital Ethics Companion, and that was extremely well received. It was actually a, a, a tripartite guidance that was published in conjunction with the Association of British Insurers and the British Insurance Brokers Association. So a really um, important uh, joint effort there. And that also, we've had companion guides covering financial inclusion, incredibly important issue, as well as transparency in policy documentation. And that was on the back of the business interruption test case, which was um, such an important topic during the pandemic. So all of these themes, whenever there's an important theme uh, for our profession, um, this is something that we seek to tackle uh, through a companion guide, which seeks to amplify our existing code of ethics and help people who are members and non-members alike, to, to navigate these issues. And alongside the companion guides, as Claire mentioned earlier, we're also seeking to develop a state of reports on sectoral issues. So again, that we can continue to be regarded as, as part of what we are aspiring to do as thought leaders for our sector.
0: Thank you very much, Melissa. And just as we come towards the end of this podcast, I wanted to bridge into theme three, which we'll be talking in a subsequent podcast in the next few weeks. But there is a a link here, a very strong link across the plan and particular in terms of the dialogue Uh, that we anticipate having with regulators and other key stakeholders. And I wonder if you both had a word about the importance, as you see it, about enhancing our relationships with those who we work with across our professions. So I'll come to you perhaps second, Melissa, but can I turn to you first, Claire, and ask you about that? What, What is important about the relationships we have with others?
2: Yes, So if I perhaps answer that very much from the Professional Standards Committee's point of view, I think we have a key role in providing assurance that the CII is meeting its obligations as an accredited body of the FCA uh, to issue those statements of professional standing and ensuring that professional standards function operates effectively and delivers the goals that we've been just talking about. So I'm really looking forward to working with the committee and the team to do that and to grow those links and to hopefully enhance our reputation with um, different stakeholders as a result. And Melissa.
1: Yes. Well, I think that it's 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 incumbent upon us to be working with the the regulators in our sector and and others who really are important in our market for the sake of our customers and our members that we're, we're, that we're joined up, we're aligned and we're bringing them real value and benefit uh, from, from, from being uh, members of the CII for studying with us. And so it's very important that we have that joined up approach. Um, And I think in, in, as far as, um, setting out our stall and our ambition, we just want to make that really, really clear that what we're setting out for ourselves is ambitious, but we really are committed to delivering this. And that's why we've set ourselves um, the goals that we have and the uh, KPIs that we have. And we're really, um, you know, working with Claire and and the, the board to deliver that for the benefit of all of our members.
0: Well, thank you very much, Claire. Thank you very much, Melissa, for joining me today on this podcast to discuss theme two of the strategic plan. Uh, Lovely speaking to you both. We'll be covering off each of the other five themes from the plan in subsequent podcasts, so do join me then. And if you want to listen back to the first theme, you'll be able to find that on CIRI Radio along with this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk slash podcast or follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, goodbye.